0: Welcome to another edition of Illinois Rising. Dan Proft, co-host of Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560, weekdays 5 to 9 a.m. with Amy Jacobson. Joining me to co-host this edition is Ted Dabrowski, who is the president of WirePoints.com. And, uh, Ted, boy, uh, we're back in LaSalle County again. LaSalle County uh, gave us our uh, current Illinois Auditor General. Uh, his name is uh, Frank Martino. He was a state rep for 20 years following his dad. And uh, he's under federal investigation for campaign finance irregularities, like uh, paying a couple hundred thousand dollars over the course of uh, a decade or so uh, to the same local auto body shop for car repairs out of his campaign fund. And
1: And some small amounts.
0: Thousands upon thousands of dollars for the same restaurant out of his campaign fund. You know, you're you're not supposed to be able to use campaign cash for personal uh, purchases, right? Um, Martino, uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the federal government's doing. I don't know why it takes so long to investigate these things, but nothing's happened on that front. So he's still there. Uh, Jerry Long is a Republican incumbent there. He's being challenged by a Democrat named Lance Yednock. And now we have another campaign finance irregularity that's been brought to our attention by the Edgar County watchdogs. And for more on this, uh, latest, curious case of campaign financing in LaSalle County. We're pleased to be joined by one of the Edgar County watchdogs one of the founders. He is Kirk Allen. Kirk, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Glad to be here.
0: But before we uh, get to the specifics of this complaint against uh, this Democrat state legislative candidate, Lance Yednock, um, just give us a, a the qu- give our listeners a quick backstory on the Edgar County watchdogs because uh, you and John Kraft, uh, a couple of retirees are uh, sort of blazing an anti-corruption trail throughout state and local government in Illinois and, and just a handle on what you've been able to do by asking a couple of simple questions and uh, using our FOIA laws.
2: Well, so basically, uh, we always ask, says who and with what proof? Love it. And we, we focus on nothing more than accountability to the law, because the law doesn't know any political party. And through utilization of FOIA in the last roughly five years, and we've really been hitting it hard. We now have 318 public officials that have been outed from office due to exposure through this process.
0: That's incredible, and I just love it. So elegant in its simplicity. Says who and what evidence, and uh, that can unravel a lot of corruption. It's great. And so uh, give us the specifics of this latest complaint you filed against this Democrat state legislative candidate, Lance Yednock, and it involves, ironically, we're talking about LaSalle County, which is about an hour and a half south of Chicago, but it involves an individual who's um, on the Water Reclamation District in Chicago.
2: Well, actually, Julie Eister, an attorney there in LaSalle County, filed the complaint. Um, and it, on appearance, we've got uh, Friends of Madigan putting a very large sum of money into one campaign, and then shortly thereafter, that same exact amount is transferred to another campaign. And, you know, it appears that it was a way of shuffling money to, you know, whatever candidates. Uh, but when it comes to our state board of elections, I, I don't hold a whole lot of confidence they're going to ever be able to, to do anything because they could never come to any conclusion that Frank Montino did anything wrong.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it begs the question, can we really follow the money? Uh, when we see all these kind of tricks playing, and, and, and again, it can happen on both sides of the aisle, right? Um, and, and so we're always left wondering. And money's fungible, which is what they uh, what they like to use as their excuse. So, can we really figure out what's going on? And do you do you think there's a you know a hot iron here?
2: Well, I think what's interesting, the Friends of Madigan donation was reported as coming in on three nineteen of, of this year for $55,400. Well, interestingly, there's an exact duplicate amount being received that came in from the 13th Ward Democratic Organization. And I suspect their argument is going to be, oh, the $55,400 that was later transferred, that that was the money from the, the Ward Democrat, not from, you know, friends of Mike Madigan." And since they didn't have that in the original complaint, you know, they'll say, well, you'll have to file a new complaint. And it just gets down to finding reasons why not to address the problem instead of actually doing their job and holding people accountable.
0: Well, let's just do the one, two, three here, because um, you have a cutout problem uh, or uh, perhaps situation here. Madigan contributes fifty five thousand four hundred dollars to friends of Marty Durkin, this uh, MWRD guy in Chicago. Then he Correct. he accepts the contribution. Then he turns around and writes a check to Lance Yednock, the state rep, Democrat candidate in LaSalle County, for 55-4. So, um, uh, there, so there's two issues. One is the issue of using a cutout to transfer campaign cash. The second is, in addition to that, you point out that... Um, that uh, he the total contribution made to Yednock was actually in excess of the 55-4 limit. So there's a a contribution violation. But but talk about the cutout thing for a second. Uh, Why would Madigan want to use a cutout? And under Illinois law, is it a problem to use a cutout? We know under federal election law it is. Dinesh D'Souza got convicted of a a felony, uh, had to have a sentence commuted for doing that. Um, What about Illinois law?
2: I'd have to do some more research on that, Dan, um, I'm not real up, you know, on, on that type of a cutout in comparison to the federal,
0: but why would, okay. So then why would he do that? Politically speaking, uh, transparency for transparency purposes, why use a cutout? Why not just, why, I mean, Madigan, uh, why not just have Madigan make the contribution to Lance Yednock? What do you think's going on here with your sort of, uh, political instincts about how things work?
2: Um, well, that's a, that's a really deep question.:
0: uh, Well let me su- actually would be- Let me suggest something. Let me suggest that in LaSalle County, Grundy County area, Mike Madigan not real popular. And so you don't want Mike Madigan showing up on your D2s. You want somebody Marty Durkin showing up in your D2s nobody's ever heard of. So then you can't make an issue of Mike Madigan being the financier of the Democrat candidate for state representative down there.
2: Right, that that would make total sense.
1: Well, which which brings the whole issue of you know how these monies flow, right? Because, uh, because of limits of individuals, right? You you throw them all through the Madigan campaign, and then uh, they're distributed in smart ways throughout the rest of the state, which is uh, just the, how we get to our cronyism that we're so good at in Illinois.
0: Right. I mean, the the Illinois Leaks, uh, which is your website, IllinoisLeaks.com, the Edgar County Watchdog site. I mean, the headline is alleged money laundering complaint uh, filed against the Friends of Michael J. Madigan Campaign Committee. And so that's what this is. This is laundering money through a cutout to get to a candidate and then have and trying to protect that candidate from having to wear the jacket of being financed by Madigan. What else would it be?
2: Oh, I I don't think it can be anything other than other than that, personally. And,
0: and uh, you know, with with your focus, uh, it, not just this campaign season, but generally. I mean, is most of the work, does it turn out to be follow the money when it comes to what uh, politicians are doing and those 300-some-odd local officials you forced out of office?
2: Yeah, more often than not, it's follow the money. It's either direct money to them or it's power through, you know, the nepotism and being able to put their friends and family in certain positions.
1: You know, the the interesting thing that this ties into is is uh, unrelated, but the but same thing is... Uh, uh, about a year or so ago, we did a, a study of Madigan's rules in in the in the legislature. And it's amazing how this this is the same thing, right? they 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 adapt the rules, change the rules, manipulate the rules in order to get everything in favor for them, and they're doing the same thing with monies. And so when you combine the the money power with the legislative power and the the ability to to block laws or make laws, it becomes amazing how much power he has. and yeah. if and if you like the status quo, then you love exactly these kind of money flows. And if you hate the status quo, you know what you're supposed to go after. And I think that's what Edgar's doing.
0: Right. And Matt Madigan's obviously sophisticated enough to understand where he's not popular, which is everywhere outside of his state legislative district. And so he's got to finance the operations. He's got to be the money guy to protect his power and standing to continue to create the dependency for uh, his caucus members. Uh, But he doesn't you know, but but he needs to protect them from. The boogeyman politics that uh, uh, that he plays against Republicans, you know, linking Republicans to Ron or linking Republicans to Trump, where there's Republicans that are not popular. Right. I mean, that's what the state has become. It's all like boogeyman politics, both Republicans and Democrats playing it and so much less substantive. And this is why I think you um, have a difficulty changing the status quo, because you're you're asking people to pick between boogeymen rather than pick a better, better path for their lives here. You know what I mean? Uh, but I right. think, yeah. but I appreciate the work that uh, obviously the Edgar County watchdogs, uh, Kirk, you and John are doing. And do you have any previews of what, what may be upcoming? Who is in your crosshairs next?
2: Uh, keep your eyes on DuPage township in Will County. Um, the the thousands and thousands of dollars of corruption that we're getting ready to expose there is pretty it makes
0: Algonquin look like uh, Mickey Mouse. Okay. All right. The, uh, the Algonquin Township Highway Department, we've talked about that at length. He is Kirk Allen. He's one of the co-founders of the Edgar County Watchdogs. You can uh, visit their work and support their efforts, which have been really unbelievably successful in rooting out corruption, more so than, say, our state attorney general. Uh, the Illinoisleaks.com is the Edgar County Watchdogs site. Kirk Allen, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you,
2: gentlemen. Appreciate it. Have a good day.
0: Dan, back with Ted Dabrowski, president of Wirepoints.com, on this edition of Rising. And uh, SaveYourHomeNow.org, SaveYourHomeNow.org, three weeks to act in furtherance of doing just that by electing people who are serious about rethinking, reforming, and hard-capping property taxes in this state. The stories are legion, and they keep pouring in, and we keep posting them at that site, SaveYourHomeNow.org. Uh, I share them on my morning show. Ted and uh, Mark Lennon over at Wirepoints.com write about it. Here's the latest high-profile example out of Highland Park. Scotty Pippen, you remember, remember him, NBA Hall of Famer? Uh, he purchased uh, a home in Highland Park when he retired in 2004 for $2.23 million. That's uh, about $3 million in today's dollars, constant $2018. The home uh, was listed on October 4th. For two point two five, which would represent a loss of seven hundred twenty thousand dollars when you adjust for inflation, and uh, during the fourteen years he's owned the home, he's paid another half a million dollars in property taxes. His bill, tax bill this year, property tax bill this year, thirty nine grand, which actually one point eight percent of his asking price, right? One point eight percent of home value is his property tax bill. That's twice the national average, but it's actually one of the lower rates in the Chicago metro region. And he's looking to get out with a three quarter of a million dollar loss on his property. (laughs) So think about that for the middle income families on the North Shore and everywhere else uh, where you're in Lake County and say Grays Lake and you're paying four. You're paying more than two times uh, as a per- percentage of home value what Scottie Pippen is, what you're in for. If as you stay in your home or you go to sell your home, I mean, no one escapes this. To me, Ted continues to be the unifying issue uh, uh, for this state. There is a consensus, and it just seems that we need to continue to sort of stoke action from the majority who are starting to understand that their life's investment is being stripped away by the government in this state.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. The 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 cost of government never goes down, right? The taxes that you pay never go down. Maybe they'll stay flat one year, which is, like, extremely rare, but they will always go up. Meanwhile, home values can go down. Well, and, as and, property and
0: taxes continue to go up, home values, values, values will go down. And, and it's push, not can,
1: it's will. Yeah, it's the combination, right? So... So not only is, is Illinois becoming a less attractive place, but as those taxes go up to pay for all those unpaid bills, um, then that hurts home values. People leave, and then that's, it, it becomes a, a, a vicious cycle.
0: Home equity desert. And do you yeah. think the government cares uh, when your income fluctuates? you think they care when you move to retirement and you're on a fixed income and you can't afford property tax? Uh, uh, property taxes going up at a 45-degree angle?
1: Well, I was at uh, my school district, a uh, school board meeting uh, a couple months ago, and you know, they, they have this uh, ability to, to take, uh, in, in new taxes, the higher of inflation or, um, or 5%. Yeah, the cat, so, 5% cap. And so inflation right, right. was whatever, 2, 2.5%. Two yeah. So you know, they said something like, well, we've got to take this new money so we don't lose it. You know, as opposed to saying, my gosh, can our residents afford it? They're just saying, we've got to take it. We've got to grab it now. Otherwise, we'll never have it. And How, that's the kind of mentality.
0: Right. How much do you need? More.
1: Right. You Always more. You Always a- more.
0: And uh, uh, the other game that's played, as you know, you've written about this, is uh, going to state legislators, these school districts, which is, of course, the preponderance. Of actually, well, the areas we're talking about, the overwhelming majority of your property tax bill and uh, having the debt caps on the school districts lifted so they can continue to borrow and take through the back door. But they can't get through the front door in terms of uh, taxation and uh unrestrained spend and that's what's happened in this area that we're talking about Scotty Pippen might be interested in this story and he might be interested to hear from Barrett Davey on the topic. Barrett Davey is a Republican candidate for state senate uh, running up on the North Shore, Lake Forest, Lake Bluff, Highwood, Highland Park, Deerfield area, running against incumbent State Senator Julie Morrison and Barrett Davey joins us now. Barrett, thanks for being with us, appreciate it. Uh, do you have any advice and counsel for Scottie Pippen or other NBA stars on the North Shore trying to get out?
3: Well, I'd ask them all to get out and vote and, uh, yeah. and put me into office, quite frankly. Uh, it's amazing to me <clears throat> how the story that you guys are telling uh, is being told in every single town in our district, um, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're living in Highland Park or Lake Forest or uh, Glencoe or you're living in Northbrook or Wheeling or out in Palatine uh, in our uh, well gerrymandered district here. Um, you know, folks are, are underwater. Um, I mean, you know, you talk to people that own, you know, $500,000 two flats that they work two or three jobs their whole lives to pay for. And uh, they're 70 years old and they're paying, you know, $18,000 on a $500,000 two flat and 3.6%. And Hey, look, I'm, you know, they're saying, Hey, I'm never going to live the American dream and retire to Florida or go someplace else. I'm, I'm stuck in this house and I'll never sell it. Uh, and that's, that's real. You know, and then you've got all the folks that we talk to every day. I mean, there's a there's a for sale sign every, you know, fourth or fifth house uh, in our communities uh, along the lake here. And it's a lot of business owners who are saying, you know what, I'm just going to move my business someplace else uh, because I'm not going to be left holding the bag. And, you know, my opponent, Julie Morrison, um, walks around and talks about being uh, a supporter of the people in the communities. And the reality is, is she's done nothing to lead in the state uh, as they continue to pick the pockets of, of our communities and use our homes as piggy banks.
1: Now, are your constituents there starting to figure it out? Are they do they can they connect the dots between these uh, crazy property tax rates uh, and and the bad laws that we have, or are they just frustrated and angry but but don't know why these things happen?
3: I think it's I think unfortunately it's still more of the latter. I think we you know we're working really hard to direct their attention um, to what really causes these problems. I mean, when you look at the state of Illinois and you look at a place that has all of the resources and the bounty that we have here and, and then yet simultaneously have the, the highest debt burden and the worst unfunded liability uh, and the worst credit rating and thus and also the worst taxation uh, and you, you point to that and say listen the reality here is that the state doesn't do what it's supposed to do and thus the burden is being put back on you here locally in the community, and you should be asking for more from your state legislature. You should Be asking for them to do their jobs and learn how to manage a budget and learn how to create a system that works, um, so we can lower our property taxes. I think they're starting to wake up, but that I mean, we're just beating the drum nonstop on that because I think a lot of folks don't connect property taxes to how badly our state government is run.
0: Well, right, but also too. I mean, even you know, and you have a district that has a lot of successful professional people, but connecting property taxes and the negative multiplier of increasing property taxes to home value to return on investment not connecting the dots between um uh school borrowing as backdoor tax increases and thus property tax increases it's it sort of continues to mystify me uh, that uh, people complain but then don't kind of search for the source of the, their complaint
3: yeah, I think that's right, too, uh, Dan. I definitely think that's right, and you see this constantly. You see, uh, you know, folks going out and, and advocating for more bond issuances and more borrowing uh, when, in reality, you know, the, the state, you know, should be funding more or these guys should be asking different questions about, you know, how these, you know, districts are being run.
1: Well, what's fascinating is, you know, you're talking about a, a massive bond increase, right, in, in in the North Shore School District 112. And, and these things are done. They're usually voted on if, if there's a referendum and, and, you know, when nobody else is voting. So it's really hard for the average person to really keep up with it, get engaged. And so I think those are the kind of things we have to change is, is the, the transparency of what these bond issues are for, the transparency of when these, these things are voted on. Um, people just don't know the, the, the background behind these bonds. And, uh, you know, that's how we've ended up with something like $21 billion in school district debt that nobody knows about and talks about.
3: Yeah, and quite frankly, to personalize it to us and and what, you know, to your example on Scotty and and Highland Park, I mean, you know, we saw uh, Julie Morrison, you know, basically sneak in a funding bill uh, to uh, raise the limits for Highland Park. You know, the people in Highland Park voted it down, um, thankfully. But, you know, she doesn't take accountability for that. She's just out there saying, oh, I'm going to give, you know, I'm going to give these towns the ability to do this as opposed to getting involved and asking the tough questions. Um, and now, you know, you've got a town like Highland Park where they've brought in a, a, great, uh, a great new uh, superintendent who's actually figuring out how to solve the problems they have without raising that debt. So, you know, the reality is, is that, um, you know, you've got a job if you want to stand up and, you know, lead in a state legislature. You've got a job to help these communities understand what's going on here and stop and you know really stop the madness I and mean, stop the continued quest for just more funding without actually asking the tough questions. and and having the debate and getting involved in the community and getting everybody else to understand how important this is and what the impact is on your home value.
0: You're branding yourself uh, in your candidacy as an independent Republican. Uh, What, what should people uh, take that to mean?
3: Well, I mean, look for me, and I think a lot of folks have watched our campaign. I mean, we've, we've gone out and taken a message out to our communities uh, very much about Um, this not being as much about being a Republican or a Democrat or a conservative or liberal, but about being a human being who wants to live here. I mean, look, I grew up on the South side of Chicago and my dad was a Chicago cop for 35 years. And, you know, my mom was a Polish immigrant who came to Ellis Island in 1951 and through scholarships and a lot of student loans. I ended up as an attorney and built a national company in the media world, um, and my, I married a, you know, a woman from up here and we moved here 10 years ago. And when I got up here, um, and really kind of settled into the community and got involved in helping build a couple of nonprofits, um, I realized just how lucky, you know, I was and how i had had an opportunity, you know, to live the American dream. And the reality though, is that that opportunity seems to be stripping away. I'm seeing friends leave the district and leave the state because, you know, they can move to other places and don't feel this place is supporting, you know, their ability to, you know, live that American dream. And, you know, again, I get back all the time to this notion that, you know, on the one hand, I I was talking to the Israeli Consul General recently about this, and he said, you know, I think there's about 170 countries around the world that would like to be Illinois, you know, between the natural resources and the 36 Fortune 500 companies and the intermodal transportation hub, and, you know, um, all of the, uh, the, the, the educational opportunities and the the global city we have here, we have incredible resources, but you know, when you've got the worst debt in the country and the worst credit rating and the worst tax burden and the worst funding in schools and the worst out migration. uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to understand what the heck has been going on here. So my, my campaign has been about reaching out to everybody. It doesn't matter what your party affiliations has been about saying, listen, wake up, you know, we have we are wasting an incredible place that we have here uh, in Illinois. And this is, I mean, we're, the, we're just a perfect location to build, you know, to build your business, um, to, to plant roots and build community. And I think the people in Springfield have just, I mean, they've just gotten it all wrong and they just don't recognize what we have here. And I think a lot of our voters, unfortunately, have become, you know, kind of, you know, apathetic and don't participate in the process because they just don't know what can be done. You know, and I'm here to say, look, if you if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you can paint a bold vision and you can lead people and take them to, you know, a place that they all aspire to be, then, you know, that's you've got a chance to turn this state around. And that and that's what our campaign's been about is, you know, is really wanting to be here. I want my kids to go to school and I want them to come back and plant roots here in this community. And I want them to, to want, want to flourish here and not move to Austin, Texas or Denver or Charlotte or Nashville or Memphis. Good God. I, I just I mean, I <laughs> I just don't get it. Um, I get why people are leaving, but I, I think there's a reason to fight for this place.
0: All right. He is Barrett Davey, a website, Barrett Davy D-A-V-I-E, Barrett com. Republican candidate, independent Republican candidate for state senate up on the North Shore. Barrett, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
3: Hey, Dan and Ted, thanks for your time and for all the work you guys are doing. I appreciate it. All right. You take care.
0: Dan back with Ted Dabrowski, president of wirepoints.com, and this edition of Rising. And uh, Ted, you wrote uh, recently for Wirepoints that uh, this uh, of of this uh, Madigan uh, cash infusion, cash infusion Madigan received from AFSME, the state's largest public sector union for state employees, $768,000 is what AFSME poured into Madigan's campaign coffers to distribute to uh, his. Democrat uh, state legislative colleagues uh, and down the stretch of the uh, midterm election. And um, uh, what are we to take away from uh, AfSME's generosity in the direction of one Michael Madigan?
1: Well, you know, this is uh, the typical story we all talk about, right? When you talk about the Madigan power, this is just the, the continuation of scratch my back, I'll scratch yours that's gone on for a long, long time. And again, if you're in the public sector and you support the status quo, then you love this because these guys take excellent care of each other and it's allowed madigan to create this this public sector middle class on the back of of normal ordinary illinois in the private sector
0: yeah the breakdown is uh, important to note the uh, average base salary for an afsme employee 65 five thousand eight hundred dollars, which is um uh what's the median household income in the state about 54 yeah and that's
1: where a household. Household, right. And this this is, is an individual indi- salaries, yeah. and, and this salary is the second highest in the nation when you adjust for cost of living. So, well,
0: And then you include uh, the <clears throat> average overtime, the average pension benefit, the current average health care benefit, the current average retiree health insurance benefit. You get to uh, the average uh, total comp for an AFSME member is uh, north of 100 grand.
1: Almost 110 grand.
0: It's so twice the average. <clears throat> excuse me, twice the median household income in the state.
1: Yeah, and for one person. And so, it's no wonder that. And, and don't forget, there's a contract outstanding, right? The one that rounder has been blocking for uh, for three years now, where rounder made his best offer to limit the growth in all these benefits and to scale back some of the benefits in health care. And uh, you know, ASME me, has cried has cried poor. Um, you know, they want not just the $3 billion in additional benefits that, these, that they want over, over three years, four years. Um, but they want it all now, and um, they want their step increases that they, that they didn't get during this time period. It's no wonder that ASME is going to give a huge contribution, knowing that Rauner, in theory, right, are expected to be out of the way and a more friendly Pritzker in office.
0: Oh, sure, and not to mention you want uh, Madigan to return to having his supermajority, so you've got a glide path to uh, the blank check that ASME demands.
1: Yeah, so it's it's a scary, it's a perfect storm, right? Um, if you're worried about your property taxes, if you're worried about your income taxes, this is scary because uh, with a Pritzker and with a Madigan fully empowered, if he does get super majorities again, you know we're going to see all these kind of benefits just handed out, doled out. It's going to be done on the back of of taxpayers. And listen, taxpayers have have not seen their incomes rise much in the last couple of years. They have, but over the last decade, it's been pretty flat. So they're they're struggling with trying to make ends meet and, of course, the higher property taxes we talk about. Um, and yet, ASME will have guaranteed raises and guaranteed contracts that last for five years, for example.
0: There was an analysis out this week uh, that uh, was posted in Zero Hedge by this J.P. Morgan guy, symbolist, looked at uh, states with the largest unfunded liabilities, debt loads, and the like. Of course, Illinois is number one. Um, and just to give you uh, some order of magnitude of how far ahead Illinois is in first place in this ignominious category, Uh, he uh, projects that it would require 51 percent of state revenue to go towards debt, pensions, and retiree health care to fulfill, to reach full funding, and that would take 30 years. 51 percent of every dollar in state revenue. By comparison, the next worst-off state when it comes to debt load and unfunded liabilities, New Jersey, it would require Thirty-eight percent of every dollar New Jersey state government takes in to fulfill their debt and unfunded liabilities. Um, so he's suggesting what uh, many have suggested that the there really is no viable path forward for Illinois when it comes to uh, raising taxes and cutting services. The only viable path is some form of federally created state bankruptcy.
1: Yeah, I think what he what he's saying is, is if if you look at the amount of debt we already have, and if we were actually to, to funded right over 30 years when you add all the, un- the 56 billion in retiree health care liabilities that we owe that are totally unfunded the 130 billion or whatever number you want to use um, 250 billion uh, of unfunded pensions when you try to pay that off for real and the, and the pension debt we have uh, bonds you're going to take half of the state budget and he's and,
0: and he's also assuming a six percent rate of return right uh what if we have a couple of quarters of negative growth
1: exactly well so, so when you when you add up all that stuff, it shows you how crazy it is. Which, which I think makes it interesting that, you know, if 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 Pritzker and these guys continue to do the same things, I think it's just going to bring this crisis we've we've warned about for so long. It's coming faster than we think, and uh, you can't continue to dole out the benefits like you do to to state workers and to municipal workers all over the state, and think you can get away with it without having the financial reality hit you.
0: Dan, back with Ted Dabrowski, president of Wirepoints.com, this edition of Rising. And uh, we've got a little, bit of, uh, a little bit more action in the governor's race this past week, Ted, including uh, new spots from both Pritzker and Rahner, uh, the joint appearance before the Sun-Times editorial board. And what came out of that Sun-Times editorial board appearance was uh, Bruce Rahner uh, talking like uh, Donald Trump on border security or illegal immigration, sort of a stunning reversal from the guy who signed the sanctuary state legislation a year ago, and J.B. Pritzker refusing to define the middle class, what that income range looks like as it pertains to the possibility of graduated state income tax. Listen to J.B. Pritzker being pressed on what exactly is middle class, define it in dollars and cents after uh, his appearance at the editorial board to the rest of the Chicago press gaggle
2: Why can't you answer the question about middle-class income? What is what do you believe middle-class income is?
4: Well again, I've told you uh, that it's important that we negotiate this with No, the no, no, I'm not asking
2: about the graduate But what does someone matter.
4: make it doesn't matter because middle- what does matter is that we're going to have to negotiate this legislature, and it's going to have to go to a right. referendum of the people of the, the governor federal. said 50 so. right. to 200,000 would someone be made who is middle, class. Very what someone make middle class. What does someone make middle class? We talked a little bit about that. No, you
3: Thank didn't you. answer it. I, why Thank is that
2: difficult?
0: Why is that difficult, Ted? Bronner's um, answer was 50 to 200,000, which is sort of the same way as saying everybody is a member of the middle class. So that's not much of an answer either, but it's consistent with what I think both uh, men represent. One represents nothing, Pritzker. He wants to be as round as his torso. He wants to say nothing, take no positions, and just uh, not be the guy that wants to be everything to everybody. And that's Ronner. So um, middle class, fifty to two hundred thousand, or undefined. We're going to negotiate what the middle class is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, this is what this is just an alternate dimension.
1: It is crazy, and, and, and it's obvious why why Pritzker's doing it, and uh, you know he's been advised by. Former governor Jim Edgar to, sure. to, to be as, as uh, you know, non transparent as possible. Why you know, why have a plan, especially for Illinois? Illinois doesn't need a plan, right? It just just go in and we'll figure it out once we get there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pritzker should be laying down his plan as should Rauner, as to how they're gonna fix the state. Um, but it's obvious that Pritzker does not want to be tied down to, to a crazy plan. You know, he, he keeps saying he wants to raise, I don't know, is it eight billion, ten billion, twelve billion more that he says the state needs? If you were actu- actually to put a a tax rates on on what that would mean to raise 10, 12 billion more would show that he's he's got a either no plan or a crazy plan and that you know everybody would leave right So we've talked about this out migration if he tries to raise taxes to what ten percent eleven percent on the rich right. quote rich. Uh, he, it won't work. Well, and the which fun- means you'll have to you will have to tax the middle class, which he doesn't want to say.
0: Right, of course. Right. I mean, that's where the money is, and that's where the lack of mobility is. Right. People that are tethered to a home they can't sell. Um, uh, you know, unlike Scottie Pippen, who's willing to take a three quarter of a million dollar loss just to get rid of this property in Highland Park because he's never coming back to Illinois. Um, but they're tethered to their homes or their jobs or family or kids in school or whatever it may be. You have to. That's where all the people are. That's where all the people are. Is the median household income in the state is fifty four thousand dollars? So that's where the people are. That that's what median means. And so it's um, it's rather remarkable uh, the back and forth between the two that sort of kind of goes nowhere. Uh, And the other thing too that you know because this is popular class envy politics is still popular I suppose. But you say well oh look at the State income taxes in California, They're, it's graduated and it's very high for the very wealthy. Yeah, and they also have a 1% hard cap on property taxes, right? So, you know, they, the other game they play is they want you to look at one tax in a vacuum and not how it actually works, which is adding up all the taxes you pay for a total tax burden.
1: Yeah, because the only thing that's, that's decent in Illinois right now is the flat tax. Mm-hmm. Right, everything else is is super high, with and that case. just and right and of it course just went up.
0: You just yeah, in case people have forgotten, <laughs> just jacked by a third, the largest structural increase in Illinois history a year ago, yeah, and now we're talking about the next phase of tax increases.
1: Yeah, what happened? We we just had a five billion dollar tax hike. Now we want the next one, which is amazing. But they, they ignore the fact that we pay the highest property taxes in the nation, you know, three times more than uh, than Indiana, for example. Uh, they ignore the fact that we got this massive sales tax in Chicago, right? You pay over over ten percent. And they like to talk about about the uh, income tax in Illinois as being relatively low, but what's fascinating is we, we did the the calculations. If you took seventy thousand dollars and compared what does a, a person in Minnesota or Wisconsin or or um, some of the other nearby states on their progressive tax schemes, they pay more on seventy thousand dollars than an Illinois does. so if you're just to adopt the the, the Minnesota tax scheme with its uh, exemptions and deductions, an Illinois would be paying more so It's not like the middle incomers in those other states are paying less. They're paying more. So it's all a a lie.
0: And, you know, where this goes, uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if Pritzker and Democrats, assuming Pritzker's elected, assuming Democrats still control both the House and the Senate, if they really want to move in this graduate income tax direction or if they just want to use this as sort of a cudgel against Republicans who are going to, you know, watch this state... uh, continue to spiral to economic oblivion uh, and probably not be in a position to do much about it except uh, point it out
1: yeah it's going to be pointed out and then we're going to point out how people leave and, you know we've covered that a lot right it's it's people are leaving from whether they're poor and in Cook County and you know we lost 180 thousand blacks in, from uh, was that from 2000 to 2010 or whether it's the North Shore people who are saying I can't afford these taxes anymore and my property values are sinking let me cut bait It's just, it's staggering to me.
0: 53% of people, according to the Simon, Paul Simon Institute poll, want to leave Illinois. And yet while they're here, they're going to vote for the same thing. Somebody square that circle for me. Dan, back with Ted on this edition of Rising. And uh, we have, just sticking on the governor's race on this topic. There has been a Kavanaugh bump. So there is some good news for Republicans at the state and local level. What's happened at the, federal level with races tightening up after Democrats performance during the Kavanaugh confirmation hearings has redounded to the benefit of Republicans in the suburbs and around the state including statewide candidates that have that tightened up a little bit still think that it's pretty touch-and-go but um, there's certainly been improvement I've seen I do the polling so I've seen it uh, and uh, against that backdrop we've got some new ads from uh, both major gubern- party gubernatorial candidates First runner face to camera, he's not letting his wife do the talking this week. It's gonna be Bruce Rauner himself.
3: You sent me to Springfield to fix our state. We've done some good. We've stopped a lot of bad. But like you, I'm frustrated because we haven't done enough. After decades of corruption, change doesn't come easy. We could give up and give total control to Madigan, Pritzker, and the machine that made this mess, or do the tough, honest things to save illinois this might be our last chance
0: mm. uh, the music is a nice touch so this was like a uh, tiny dancer donning the cardigan sweater four years ago during his re-election saying i know i've been bad but i'm going to be nicer uh that's sort of well, h- how i uh received this Ronner spot uh your uh, take on it ted well
1: i i um I find it fascinating that, that, that this Bruce Rauner is a, a totally different one. And the one that got elected back in, in 2014 was the fighter he was going to take on the system. And, you know, he came out swinging. But, uh, you know, three and four years into his three years into his governorship, he, he gave up on all his reforms. He, he stopped talking about about the reforms and uh, he ended up with a tax hike and nothing else. So it's kind of sad to see this Rounder is the, the one that I don't I don't hear him talking about how he's going to fix it. It
0: also sort of sounds almost like begging, doesn't it? He's sort of pleading, pleading with people who have passed judgment on him for the reasons that you've just suggested largely. Uh, Sort of um, a man who wants to be everything and turns out to have more or less alienated everyone other than those who just can't stomach, and I do mean that uh, as a pun, Pritzker. Um, Pritzker uh, responding in kind this week as he continues to, populate the airwaves, and he's focused on that Quincy Veterans Home. You know, one of the value propositions of Roner too, and this is a real problem for him, and it was pointed out by Jeannie Ives in the primary, his handling of that Quincy Veterans Home where veterans were getting Legionnaire's disease for months, years, and nothing was being done to get people out of that facility. It was the most uh, galling thing, and Roner continues to say everything was done right, and you know, his administration is full of superstars, and he's a superstar. One of his value propositions, he's a turnaround guy. He's a business guy. He's going to make the tough decisions. He's got managerial competence. Well, J.B. Pritzker's calling that into question with this
4: spot. I met my dad at the ER, and when I walked into that room, he was laying in a fetal position, unresponsive. He just looked like he was about to die. It was not the dad that I saw before. At that moment, my dad needed for the state to honor him and serve him the way that he honored and served his country. Nothing was said about Legionnaires. While the state was sending back emails about PR and different things, my dad was was dying.
3: Our team did exactly what they should have done, um, ex- exactly when they should have done it.
4: The first... My question to Governor Rauner is, if it were your parents who were living at that home, would you have handled it differently? Would the response time have been quicker? I looked up to my dad a lot, and I loved him. And whatever life he had left on this earth, it was his. And Governor Rauner was more interested in protecting his image than he was the heroes who served our country. Ouch.
1: Sad.
0: Sad. And it's really, it's unconscionable, the, the handling of that and his defiance. One of the things I've um, come to take away from Rauner... And before uh, he betrayed the conservatives who elected him, you know, I had the opportunity to have a number of interactions with him. He's a guy who's uh, never wrong and never responsible. Uh, he's the guy who infamously now said uh, back last winter, I'm not in charge, right? That's the maverick fighter that we elected. Right. And three and three years later, he's not in charge. He's not responsible and things are worse. And that's why he's going to lose.